Go ahead and turn your Bibles. That is Nahum 1. You're not going to be in anywhere else in your Bible. I'll be a few places, but it'll be hard for you to catch up by the time I'm reading in them. And so if you didn't bring a Bible, we want your Bible open. Like I said, we made it easy for you. There's black hardbound Bibles all around the church. Stand up, grab one in front of the person beside you. I want you to see it. God's Word's much better than mine, so go to Nahum chapter 1. And if you are a note taker, there's only one slide and there's only one question for us to be in this morning, and that is, where is the gospel in God's wrath? That's a heavy, heavy question. It's hard unless you're really staring at it. In the character of who God is and the reality that he is a jealous wrath, judgment is reality and true. And there is a moment where we will see God's wrath poured on to lost, non-believing people. Where is the gospel in that story? Very heavy chapter, but it is full of good news We just have to look for it. So look at Nahum chapter 1, and we're going to start with just the first verse again, and we're going to catch ourselves up to where we're going to be this morning. If you weren't here last week, one verse. The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. Now remember where we were last week. We didn't get past verse 1. We were in verse 1 the entire time. We found ourselves in different spaces in the Bible, but I was so captivated by just this introduction of what God was doing in just the intro that we had to share it and we weren't able to get any further into the book. Ideally, I was hoping to go through the whole chapter as I prepared earlier in the week, but I spent all of my time with literally the first 10 words. So last week, as we didn't get past verse 1, I pray that in that one verse, in those 10 to 11 words, you were amazingly encouraged and mind blown by what we talked about. I pray that you were amazed to see God's hand in everything. As we saw, um, as we just left Micah, as we saw Nineveh and the Assyrians and Nahum and Micah and Israel and all of those places and God working in evil and, and also faith and the past and the present and the future promises, I pray that your mind was blown as you saw God's sovereignty in the midst of all of it. I know mine was. I pray that you are amazed to see God working and not just the faithfulness of his people, but also evil and wickedness. What we see in Nahum after we just left Micah church, that in the same moment, in the same moment, in the same story, God is working in the loss. He is working in the evil. He is working in the tragedy and the struggle. While he is working in the faithfulness, he is working with his people, the people he uses to correct them. And he's working in you and I in 2021. As I read that last week, I could not go any further, church, because my mind was just blown at what I was seeing. I thought it was amazing. I pray that you were amazed. And in all of this amazement, I pray that this encourages you. Remember what we said last week. 
The Old Testament points towards the cross. The New Testament after the Gospels points to the cross. And I pray that you see the fulfillment in the Old Testament come to life in the New Testament, which pours into your story. If God is real, hear me church. If God is real and heaven exists and his word is true, if God worked through King Solomon and he works in countries and cities and Rome in the past, our history and future and today, well, I hope you are encouraged by that with the reality is that he is very present in your life. I pray that you were amazed. I pray that your mind was blown. I pray that your assurance was stirred and I pray that you were encouraged. But now that we're past verse 1, let's start to dig into this book. The question is, the slide will not change. Where is the gospel? Where is Jesus? Where is the cross in God's wrath? Where is the gospel in God's wrath? Now remember, Nahum is speaking to Nineveh, and Nineveh is where the Assyrians are, and this is the same people a hundred years after Jonah. So we have Jonah, remember the big fish? Jonah, we have Micah, and now we have Nahum. Nahum is a hundred years, give or take, after Jonah. Two different messages and two different times in history. And Nahum, God through him, says this. Look at verses 4 through 5. God is jealous. We've heard these verses before. Doesn't sit well with all of us. It confuses most of us. We're going to dig into it. God is jealous. And the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserves wrath for his enemies. Where is the gospel in God's wrath? Highlight that right there. He reserves wrath for his enemies. Who are his enemies? The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Travis and I were talking, laughing about this more Old Testament, awesome, mind-blowing smack talk we see from some of these prophets. Think about how awesome the poetry in this, and this is how he's writing most of this book in Nahum, very poetic. Just listen to how awesome and how powerful that statement is. In the whirlwind of the storm, that is how God has his way. In the clouds, think of the clouds. The clouds are the dust of his feet. I was amazed by that. I highlighted it in mine. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers from Bashan to Carmel withers and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake for him, the hills melt and the earth heaves at its presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it for this to be so. Now, when we read that our God is a jealous God and the Lord avenges and he is furious, that creates a lot of fear and also a lot of questions. And for a lot of us, I would say that this doesn't sit very well. The idea of our God being jealous and our God being vengeful and our God being furious, if anything, this almost seems to contradict or oppose the cross. 
And for so many of us, we don't really enjoy this type of message. There's a reason that I waited a few weeks after Easter to go into Nahum. This is a hard Easter service sermon, Nahum 1. And so for some of you guys, like, man, I've been reading in Nahum. I've been waiting for Nahum. You said we were going in there. I was like, hey, give it a minute. Let's get past the cross for a moment because on Easter Sunday, I didn't want to stand up here and go, hey, God is jealous. God is furious. That's a hard Easter morning message. This is why so many people, I would say, avoid the Old Testament. We love the New Testament. Sometimes you even hear that this is a New Testament church. We don't really preach or teach out of the Old Testament. We focus on the New Testament. And some of you guys have might have even heard this before, that the Old Testament God is, or maybe you felt it, the Old Testament God is very different than the New Testament God. Have you ever felt that before? You read some of these verses or you hear sermons and you go, well, you know what? That was like in his earlier days. God has gotten a little older and wiser. He's a little calmer now in the New Testament. But man, he was wound up tight in the Old Testament. He was doing some pretty wild things back then. He was flooding places and killing people and all kinds of stuff. But you don't really see it in the New Testament. So I want the New Testament verses so a lot of people avoid the old ones. I would say that this is why a lot of people disbelieve because of the misunderstanding of the full character of who God is. We saw, I was, when I was preparing, I was thinking, not a lot of worship songs connected to God's wrath. You don't see that a lot. And we want grace and mercy and love and, and comfort. And when it comes to God's wrath, I would say that some people that are starting to follow and understand and they want to believe and they're plugged into a church, when they hear about God's wrath and consequences to actions and all of those things, I would say some people run from the Lord because how much they misunderstand God's full character. I would say that we distort grace in this idea too. For so many of us, we, we choose to live in sin because we don't want to deal with God's wrath or God's judgment or really who God is in his full character. But scripture says it, so we need to deal with it. It says clearly, and God in the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, the same tomorrow, today, and yesterday. And it says that God is jealous, that the Lord avenges that the Lord avenges, and guess what, church? He is furious. So a lot of what we see in God's character in this Old Testament old prophet with a major word hangs on that whole jealous characteristic. Now, what does that mean? Now, when a lot of you and I think of jealous, we think of ex-girlfriends that like to slash tires when they know that you're talking to another girl in school. That is not who God is. God is not stalking you or driving past your house to make sure your car is there. That is not who the Lord is. What this means is, is that God created, God loves, God forgives, and God demands attention. God demands priority in your life. Scripture is very clear from the Old Testament to the New, from Genesis to Revelation, that God desired us, hang with me church, that God desired us, and so he willed us into existence. That is awesome. 
that God loves us so he forgave us, that he redeems us so he gave his son for us. This is not Old Testament. This is not New Testament. This is whole Bible truths. And in that, he demands priority. He demands attention. Now, when we look at Nahum, for some of you guys, you've been studying. I was talking to Amanda and, and Shanna and, and some of you guys that really love the history behind this. And you guys have seen the Assyrians were not those people. The people of Nineveh, the same group that Jonah preached to, the same people that Nahum preached to, they were the biggest and the baddest. They were the toughest. They were these biblical Vikings during that time. And they lived in Nineveh. They opposed following God. They opposed his commands. They refused attention. Everyone feared the Assyrians. They took what they wanted. They did what they desired. And they kneeled to no one. And even though their people heard the goodness and the power and the grace of God and the wrath from Jonah, fast forward a hundred years and all of the people backtracked once again. And now Nahum stands in the same spot Jonah did with a very different message, and that is God is not pleased. God is not pleased. Listen to verse 6. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure his fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him with a mighty weight. Now as I told you, there's a, a reason I held off until after Easter. The whole book of Nahum is a heavy, heavy, heavy book that very few of us want. Listen to me. Very few of us want a series on God's wrath. Where is the gospel in Nahum? I'll be honest with you. Me personally, um, I did not want to preach this message. And I don't ever feel like that. Ever. You can give me some random chapters and some random verses and I'll get just psyched out learning new stuff and I will make sure that I present the gospel in the midst of all these kind of places that we might not have ever been. I love Micah. I love books that we might not have known before. That doesn't scare me, but Nahum 1, this week, this was the last scripture. You say, Hunter, this is a big book. What's the last chapter that you want to preach this week? Nahum 1. This is the last place that your pastor wanted to go. I've told you many times that I usually preach in the space that I'm at. Now I've heard many people say, like Hunter, as a pastor, I've been told this, you need to preach and teach over here, but you need to have this space just for you and God over here. And that's their preference. That doesn't work for me. Like every Sunday and every Wednesday and every time I speak, like that is where I'm at. Like I live in the sermon. This is what God is doing in me, how I am growing, and then I pour out into you. This has been a rough week for me. This is not scripture that Hunter Jones wanted at all. I shared with you a few weeks ago, and God bless, my, my mom is still alive, but she is hanging on for dear life. My wife is with her right now. She called me literally 20 minutes ago and said, hey, she's unresponsive again. She's going to die any hour, any minute, any, any day, any week. She is not in a good space. She leaves the critical care unit. She goes to rehab. She comes to our house for four days. Amen. 
She begged. <laughs> like any mother who was growing older, she would always hint at me, Hunter, I'd love to just come live with you, kind of like everyone loves Raymond. But that wasn't a funny show to me, okay? And I was like, yeah, mom, maybe one day, you know. I'll be in your basement. I won't ever worry you. I won't ever say anything, right? And so God gave me four days with her in our house, and I thank him for that, okay? But my mom went south very, very quickly after four days. She has to, ambulance comes, ships her back to the critical care unit. She's unresponsive for two of them. She's in a bad space. I'm there every day. My mom has no siblings. She has no parent. There's no aunt, uncle. There's my father's gone. My brother's gone. It is just me. So I'm there for 10 hours a day. She's in critical care. She has pneumonia again. She's dying any second. I got a robe on. I got gloves on and a mask on. Lights are off 10 hours a day this week. And so I'm up there and I still got a job to do. And if I'm up there for 10 hours a day, I'm going to study and I'm going to prepare. And listen to me. There was no other place that I would rather not be than this verse. Like, give me grace, or give me mercy, or give me healing, or give me love. Like, give me something besides God in his fury is pouring out like fire. That is not what I wanted 10 hours a day in the middle of the critical care unit in the midst of my last family member dying on me. And I sit here, and I'm just like, God, give me something. Just listen to some of the verses. Look at 8 through 11. And I sat in it and I rolled in it and I did not enjoy it. But with an overflowing flood, he will make another end of this place. And darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make it an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. He's talking about Micah. For while tangled like thorns and while drunken like drunkards, they shall be devoured like stubbly, fully dried ones. From you come forth one who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. And I'm reading this every day and I'm trying to study and I'm trying to take notes and I'm trying to get my mind together. And man, I just had no desire for this scripture. And for that reason, the reality is, is you might not be bearing your mother right now, but very few of you have any desire for this scripture. Like life is hard. Well, we see it every week. David was up here and as he was praying, he said, I know a lot of you are struggling. We say it every single week. Why? Because a lot of you are struggling. Life is brutal. Life is hard. Marriage is challenging. Raising kids can be a huge hurdle. Like, I get it. And the last thing you want to do is get dressed and go, man, we're going to go to church today and I got the kids ready and we're all there. We're going to do this thing. And you go in here and I'm screaming at you about how God is throwing rocks at the world. God's coming for you. That is not a message very few of us want in the difficultiness of this world. Where in the world is the gospel in God's wrath? Where is the good news? Where is Jesus in scripture like this? Look at the one verse that holds this whole entire book together for believers. Like a diamond literally hidden in the sand, perfectly placed, a gift to me. Look at verse 7. The Lord is good. Man, 
The Lord is jealous and the Lord avenges and he is furious and he will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves his wrath for his enemies. Chapter 1 verse 7, the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble and he knows those who trust in him. Psalms 12, 7 says this, your Lord, you Lord will guard us in all of your love and grace. You will protect us from this perverse generation forever. You see, guys, guys, one thing that I was seeing in the midst of me challenging going through this book in the midst of my struggle was that every book of the Bible, every story, every verse, every chapter points back to the goodness of who God is. The God of Nahum is still the God of the New Testament, which is still the same God of today. Our God has a righteous anger. He has a righteous jealousy. He demands priority. But for the lost and the unrepentant and the enemies of God, there will be hell to pay. Literally. Hell exists and judgment is reality and wrath will be poured down. But where is the gospel in Nahum 1? It is in verse 7. For those who believe, if you are saved, born again here this morning, and you trust in God, you will not experience that wrath. Once again, everything points to the cross. This actually would have been a phenomenal Easter service. Like at first, I avoided this. And as I was stuck in it this week, I tried to avoid it. I actually almost picked up the phone and asked someone else to preach it. That is how much I did not want to be here. This would have been a wonderful Easter Sunday morning. Only church in the universe preaching out of Nahum 1. Everything points to the cross. For those who are born again, we will not experience his anger or his wrath because it was all poured out on his son for those who believe and have faith in him. Like a sponge, Christ took the wrath that you and I deserved. That is the gospel. That is the good news. When it comes to where the gospel is in God's wrath, just listen to these verses as I read them to you. For my young ones who don't understand who God is and the full character of him, hang on my words, okay? Romans 5, 9 says this, Since we have now been justified by his blood... How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? That is the gospel. You and I don't read Nahum 1 and feel the rocks or his anger or his jealousy. We don't feel those things because we've been saved from them. John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them, not us. 1 John 4, 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the literally, that is the sermon. I want you to hear it again. Where is the gospel in God's wrath? For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. But what? But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Last verse for you, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, 
so that in him we might become the righteous we might become the righteousness of God. In Nahum 1:6 that word indignation, do you know what that means? It literally means anger provoked by what is seen and perceived and experienced as unfair treatment. Verse 6, look back at it. Take your time. Who can stand before his indignation? His anger, his frustration, the definition says annoyance by what is seen as and what is unfair treatment. You see, everybody in here, if you are lost and don't know Jesus, or you are saved and loved him, we have all treated him unfairly. But we cannot escape the gospel in every verse of this book. Instead of wrath, Instead of all of these things, we will actually receive heaven. We will see, receive grace. We will receive mercy. We will receive forgiveness because Christ took that wrath for us. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble and he knows those who trust in him. I told you, as I said, this was a rough week and um, if you, if you heard, know my, my story a little um, buried my father and buried my grandparents and buried my brother and it's just my mom and me. That's, that's all we got. And there was this moment where I left the hospital on Thursday. Thursday was really rough. And I left the hospital and I went to my house. And so where my mom lives now, she's lived for 45 years. That was the house I was raised in. She, she still is in that house. And so I went in there. And if any of you guys are in this space where you don't really have anybody left, you might know what this is like. I went in that house, guys. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I don't know if I have cried like that since infancy. Like since I was like three and needed a bottle. And I don't care how that sounds. There's no tough man, you know, imagery that I'm going for anymore in my life. Like I sat in that house where I had diapers and I learned how to ride a bike and I wet the bed and I had my first girlfriend and all of those things. There was a big gap between the two. And I sat in a chair and I cried. Like, <gasps> cried. Man, like all of the memories and all of the guilt and all of the sadness. And this is not one of those, man, where is Jesus and, and God, I'm angry or my faith is shaken. None of those things. Man, I'm just talking pure sadness. Probably the saddest week I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm praying, God, because I'm thinking about Nahum. I'm praying at my house, tears flowing down. I am all alone in this empty home that my mom will never come back to. And I am praying, God, give me something. And if anything, I'm not angry at God. I'm angry at this unuseful verse. where my heart felt. And I came back and I read it for literally the 20th time. Back in the room with my mother, got geared up. And my mind goes to the beauty of seven. The Lord is good. How are you good in the midst of all of this? He's a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knows those who trust in him. The gospel is very much in the story of God's wrath because I won't ever experience it. My mom will never experience it. 
My mom professes to know the Lord. In the midst of my loneliness and my sadness and my guilt and my burdens and all of my mommy and daddy issues that I got, the good news is very much for my family today in 2021 in the book of Nahum. This is the gospel. Verse 7, the Lord is good. But it says for those who don't believe, the other side of the coin. Romans 2.5 says this, but because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. You are storing up wrath for yourself. You're collecting it. You are waiting on it. Wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So for my mom that I am very sad about and I am struggling with for my struggles and your marriage and your children and your hardships and all of your issues, how you dragged yourself into the church today, whatever you are experiencing, God's wrath will not be experienced by you. You will experience grace undeservingly. And that leads us to worship. And that is the gospel in this story. But for those, if you do not know the Lord, if you do not know Jesus, if you do not follow God, if you do not come to the altar and pray, God, take my my life, you are storing wrath up for yourself. You will experience these things. Look at verse 12. I love this from my historians. This is going back to Micah. Thus says the Lord, though they are safe and likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down. When he passes through, though I've afflicted you. You remember Micah, he promised this. Same wording, same communication, vocabulary. Though I've afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. If you have a good memory and you remember those verses, literally God is telling the people through Micah, you will go through a time of correction, but there will be a moment that I do not afflict you anymore and I will crush your enemies and raise you back up. We see this now in Nahum 12. Look at 13 through 15. For now I will break off his yoke from you and I will burst apart your bonds. The Lord has given a command concerning you. Your name shall no longer be perpetuated. Out of the house of your God, I will cut off the carved images and the molded images, and I will dig your grave, for you are vile. Behold, on the mountains, the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, Micah, remember, O Judah, same people. Keep your appointed feast, perform your vows, for the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. For the believers here this morning, if you are saved by the grace of God... This is a great truth for you to never let leave you that the gospel is very much alive in every book, every character, every chapter, every verse of his truth. It's in every story, in every moment that we see everything. You cannot escape the goodness of God's grace through the cross. We won't experience wrath. We will experience grace. We will experience mercy. And like a sponge we saw on Easter, we see that the sponge soaks up all of the things that you and I deserve because we are no different than these people. 
We are no different from the Assyrians. We are no different from people of Israel that did not know him or love him during the time of correction. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve God's correction. We deserve God's judgment. And what do you get in return? You get peace and grace and forgiveness. We get his son and what he did for us. And all of this should drive us to worship. But for those who are lost, for all of you who do not know the Lord, and I've said this every single week, there is a hard message. I know I'm going at it from a very different angle. But there is hard words here. There is a hard message in Nahum. If you do not know the Lord then the gospel calls you because you are storing up God's wrath in a very dangerous and harmful way right now in your life. If you have heard the gospel, you know the gospel, you've, you've heard it and, it and it's connected and you have prayed, God, save me, but you continue to run from him and all of those things, you are storing up God's wrath in your life. Our God is not to be placed in a box. He is full of grace and he is full of forgiveness. All of the things that worship songs are written after, but he is also a righteous, righteous, vengeful, wrath-having, jealous God who demands priority. Attention from his creation. We are not to be scared into submission, but the truth and the fact is we are not promised tomorrow. Profess his name and begin to follow. Hear this, because every time I sit with someone, I always make sure I tell them, hey, listen, I'm not going to read you all of the verses that pull on your heart, that scare you to death to jump in those waters. But in the same token, all those verses exist. Do you see that tension? Give me any of your kids. I'll save them all. Okay. I got the right verses and the right hosters. I will scare the mess out of your kids and anybody that you know. I'll have a long line jumping in that water. It's not hard to do. People have been doing it, especially in the Bible Belt for centuries. You want to go to hell or heaven, right? So I'm not going to scare you into loving the Lord because none of that's authentic. In the same token, it exists. If you don't know the Lord, you're not promised tomorrow. If you don't know the Lord, you're not promised the moment you leave this parking lot. You're not promised the next breath in your life. God, save me. I have seen your gospel. I heard the story of your cross. I understand the sacrifice. I see your grace. Take my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for my life. Save me. Do not wait until the end of the day. Do not think through. Do not talk to your mama. Don't think it over. Have today be the day you pray that God steps forward in your life. I have heard the good news preached. Follow me. Profess his name and give him your life. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful gift of Scripture. Lord, this was a, a week like I have not experienced many times in my life. I've never really looked at your word and ran from it. I, I've struggled and um, I've struggled preaching. I've, I've had moments of, of issues and character flaws. I've had all of those in ministry. 
There have been very few times where I've ran from your word. Of just a lack of desire to preach it. Because of my own issues. And I am floored and I'm amazed that in the midst of me running, you actually gave me the gospel, which I was too tired and confused to see, but you brought it to light. Your word in every chapter and every verse and every story is always good. And for believers here, we are blessed with the gospel and the fact that in what accomplished, what was accomplished through your son on the cross literally took away the wrath that any of us will experience. And that is the good news. What your, what your son accomplished on the cross for us. Lord, I pray that if anyone is storing up wrath now, if anyone is living outside of God's salvation now, that they pray right this moment, God, step forward and save me. I have heard the good news. I have heard the gospel. I have seen the cross take my life. I pray that today is that day. In your precious and holy name, the church says in harmony, amen.